Welcome to the Full Press Fantasy Podcast, part of the Full Press Radio Network. My name is Kyle Senra, and joining me are my co-hosts, Alessandro Senator. Alessandro, how are you? Doing pretty good, Kyle. Pretty good on this very sad day. <laughs> and Kayla Morton, sorry to depress you and also laugh at you, Alessandro. And, and Kayla Morton, Kaylin, how are, Kayla, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, how are you? Uh, I, I can speak better. We'll see. Hopefully I can speak better. I hope so. <laughs> it's Friday. It's been a long week, I guess. Um, so, uh, okay, so what's so sad, Alessandro? Why, why the long face? Uh, I don't want to go that deep, man. It's it's personal. Um, my today's the day my dad passed away. Um, twelve years ago, so uh, a little bit of a sad day for me. Okay, well, I mean, first off, thanks for sharing. I mean, I know what you know what you mean to us. So the fact that you're opening up to us and to our listeners that kind of means a lot to us. So appreciate that, and uh, I think we'll use it to energize us and let's dedicate this episode to your father and let's just make it a killer episode. Okay. Love to hear you talking about exactly what you do best. So I'm excited. And you know what? <laughs> My dad was a Jets fan. Actually, he was a Giants fan, but he rooted for the Jets. And <laughs> and uh, so uh, he went he went out on a good note that year. But uh, oh yeah, twelve years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um. Well, you know what? Since you know, I want to do this for him. I want to start to solve. Just because he probably got a little bit of good news. Um, for the Jets and Patriots game this week, um, Antonio Brown is no longer a Patriot after sending some very threatening messages of some kind of variety. Not entirely sure. They're keeping it a secret. Uh, the uh, New England Patriots finally wisened up and released Antonio Brown. Um, they uh, released him. After one game, so that he got five million, but not the full nine, like the one-year nine million deal suggested, mm-hmm. and uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he actually gets picked up by another team. But for right now, the Patriots no longer have Antonio Brown. That's a huge blow to uh, fancy people. And it, looking at the stat line from ESPN, it dropped it a couple of points. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not saying the Jets are going to win, but uh, <laughs> uh, just the fact that Antonio left shows that um, they say that the Jets have a better chance, not really going to win, but they have a better chance of winning because the ball can be spread more to its normal wide receivers. I think the one thing this does, all this fear of, for Josh Gordon, I think it finally kind of goes away. People are talking like, okay, he's like a, a boomer bust wide receiver three, and now I think you can kind of make him at least a more consistent wide receiver three, if not a kind of a mover bust wide receiver two. Um, I don't know that people were going to bench him anyway. I know I have him in one league and I, I was playing him regardless, but this just kind of solidifies I get just this matchup against the Jets. I just expect the Patriots will score lots of points. Uh, I was already playing a guy like James White, but now again, that's kind of reinforced for sure. I, I, I still want to play James White. So I'm Michelle and Rex Burkhead are clear favorites. Rex Burkhead just murders us every time he plays. Yeah, and I think the touchdowns could come from anywhere. I just want as many darts of that Patriots ammo as possible. So I feel like that's not how weapons work, darts and ammo. But, um, yeah, uh, shoot. <laughs> Kayla, what, what do you think? Um, I think it definitely helps Josh Gordon's case, as you were saying. I, I kind of laughed at an ESPN segment earlier when they were covering the whole thing, and they were like, so what does this mean for the Patriots now that he's not there? 
and they act like you know 11 days of the century they're just going to go back to doing exactly what they they train to do all off season and training camp and what they executed during those practices in preseason and you know him leaving doesn't affect them at all they still have all of their offensive weapons and you still have Tom Brady I mean hey the Dolphins only gave him four catches last week so uh, did he really make that big of an impact not in my book <laughs> I mean, he he only played in like thirty three percent of the snaps. It's not like he was even on the field that regularly. But he put up some points. Well, yeah, he just 15. he was just targeted every time he was out there. Like it was, it was weird how much of a of a target share he had versus how much playing time he had. It was it was kind of ridiculous. Any other thing I'll, I want to throw in there with Antonio Brown now gone, all those shares that he was going to get or could have gone are going to go back to its original people. So. Now you got guys like Julie Allen getting a bigger share. Obviously, the Jets were always weak against a slot, and Julie Allen's a slot player, and so they would just pound him constantly. So he's probably going to be the biggest wide receiver you want. Um, you got uh, Josh Gordon down the field. The corners are a little bit better, but Gordon's still fast, so um, I, 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 w- I wouldn't expect much production from him. Uh, but when he does, it's probably going to be a big boom play. Uh, so he's a big boomer buster. Um, and then um, Jacoby Myers, uh, the other slot guy. Uh, Elman's going to be the main slot guy, and Myers is going to be the other slot guy. Um, I feel like the tight ends in this game are going to be nulled and void. Um, I'm not going to have CJ Mosley for this game, but Blake Cashman's been pretty good. He's held his own against tight ends, David Njoku. Um, and the other guy that they brought in after Njoku had to leave because of the concussion. Uh, He's been actually, um, I was surprised. I've never liked Blake Cashman when we drafted him. And uh, he's been pretty good at coverage against the tight end. So, uh, But biggest people here I would play is Julie Elliman, uh, Jacoby Myers, and uh, Sonny Michelle are probably the biggest three. And Patriots defense. Um, which the Patriots defense, according to uh, PFF, has the lowest yards per game, 246 yards per game. This is an average, but that's what they have allowed through the first two weeks. Yeah, it's generous for last week because I don't think the Dolphins got 150 yards. Yeah. No. Uh, I, I, the one thing I'm going to actually say against you, Alessandro, I don't know about Jacoby Myers. Uh, week one before Brown played, he only played in 11% of the snaps. I think Philip Dorsett is definitely worth more of a play than Jacoby Myers is. Uh, 87% week one he played. Uh, down to forty nine percent. He was he of all the players, Dorsett probably lost the most playing time to Brown. So suddenly he's with Brown gone. I think Dorsett's maybe not quite the eighty seven percent, but certainly at least in the the sixty seventies. I you got to think. So I don't know someone who's going to be on the field that much more than I'd rather have Dorsett. I think than uh, than Myers. And that's fine. I, I I'm just bigger on Myers because. Uh... Um, obviously he's behind Julian Elliman. Phil Dorsett's going to be the outside. Gordon's going to be the outside. Elliman's going to be slot, and he's more of a slot guy behind Elliman. But when they do run the two slot sets, I mean, um, I think that he could have a big day. But like you said, you're probably right. He's probably going to be Phil Dorsett before Jacoby Myers. Okay, so I think uh, we talked about the Patriots-Jets game in the last episode, but just because this kind of changed it enough that we felt we should talk about it. Um. Some more news that I guess we could have addressed last game. We didn't. Um, maybe we'll wait for the, the Steelers game, but I, I guess we can kind of do it right now. Uh, talking about uh, the Steelers, 
well, first off, we know about uh, Mason Rudolph playing. Big Ben's out for the year. But then they also made a trade uh, for defensive back Minka Fitzpatrick. They gave up a first-round pick. And I know there were there were a few picks uh, that were kind of swapped around there. But the es- essence of it was Minka Fitzpatrick for a first. The common thing that immediately as it happened was, you know, why would the Steelers do this? You, your quarterback's injured and now you're you're giving away your first-round pick. And optically, that's true. I mean, if, if it's a top 10 pick, Kayla, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Minka Fitzpatrick was the 11th overall pick last year? Yes. So you're, and I mean, I remember kind of uh, just draft talk around that. Some people thought 11 was actually kind of a bit of a steal for Miami. Like he, he was a top 10 talent and just the way it fell, he just fell out of the top 10. So, yeah, I agree. I think um, he definitely fell back further than he should. I think he was a really talented player. Um, just strict, speaking strictly on professionalism, I'm not too happy as a fan on how he handled his situation and his short time in Miami. But I think he fell to 11 just simply because there were so many quarterbacks taken uh, in his draft class. I think there were four or five taken before him, including yeah. the Cardinals trading up to 10 to take Josh Rosen. So, I mean, we'll see what That's he That's true, is. yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, when you have a big quarterback class like that, kind of just pushes the talent down. Um, so I know for the Steelers, here's the thing. They're a better team after making this trade than they were before they made this trade, you know, considering the Ben injury. Like, this this helps their secondary so much. So I, I don't know. I, I know everyone's saying, like, why would you do this? The chance of it a top 10 pick. But making this trade decreases the chance that it's a top 10 pick. Maybe yeah. not significantly enough, but I don't know. I, I don't actually kind of like this move for the Steelers because this is a, a bright young player that they can build around in their secondary. I like this move for the Steelers just because, you know, they obviously saw something in Mason Rudolph. Um, they they clearly trust him not going out. I mean, I know they just gave Josh Dobbs away, but even if Dobbs is still there, I think Mason Rudolph is clearly a number two option. Um, and so the fact that they're, you know, giving him indirect confidence by saying, hey, we're going to build the defense and not put as much pressure on you that way. And, you know, hey, you're the signal caller now. You're leading our team. You're going out there until you can't. And so I think it's it's important to note that, you know, how young Minka Fitzpatrick is, and uh, he clearly moved on mentally from the Dolphins. He wasn't buying what they were selling. And um, I think, you know, for his career, uh, the Steelers gave him a great chance. And I think Pittsburgh is going to need to beef up their defense just in general. So the fact that they did this now, um, you know, I was talking with my dad and, you know, we were kind of like, is Ben Roethlisberger really going to want to go through rehab to the extent to play football again? And both of us kind of agree that, hey, you know, we think he might retire. So not only, you know, if he goes that path, not only do they have Mason Rudolph now, but they're saying, hey, you know, We'll give up a first round pick because we don't need to draft a quarterback. We believe in we believe in you. Show us what you got. We drafted you. Come out here and win us some football games. Um, so I think the Dolphins also lucked out in this trade too because they came flat out with it and said that they wanted a first round pick. They wanted what they gave up. And um, I know the Redskins were close in landing Fitzpatrick, but it ultimately came down to they told the Dolphins that they're not going any higher than a second round pick in 2020. And so, you know, the phone call rings and the Steelers say, hey, we'll give you a first rounder on Miami. I'm hanging up the phone saying it's a done deal. Um, so I think it makes the most sense for Miami to get a first round pick. That's what they wanted back. Um, and it, it helps the Steelers on defense. So 
Yeah, it, do, it does kind of seem like a win-win. Like I kind of I do like this for both teams, especially if Minka Fitzpatrick's unhappy. And I don't know, there's something to be said that not letting the players dictate when to trade them. But if you know, as long as it's a first-round pick, you're at least accruing the value. And assuming the Steelers don't go and win the Super Bowl, it should be at least middle of the first. And you know, the Dolphins will still have their own first. So having two first-round picks in next year's class, which appears to be a pretty strong class, it uh, certainly can't can't hurt. So. Yeah, and the Dolphins are up to three first-round picks now with this trade. So. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. Don't they have something like twenty-four picks over the next two years, or like they've they really starting to stockpile it? Yeah, I don't know the exact number, but yeah, they're mm-hmm. they're they're piling up, and that's also too. I'm like, you know, it's different if you know the Steelers offered first rounder in like twenty twenty-one or twenty twenty-two, but you know the fact they're like, yeah, next draft, um, I'm a rebuilding Dolphins team clearly, and. I have a player in the locker room who's now a cancer because he's given up. He's saying he doesn't want to play. He's not on the, the team wagon. He's not trying. When you have guys who signed two weeks ago, who's heads in the game, who want a chance from the Dolphins, who, and they haven't gotten it from another team, you know, they're in the NFL for a reason. Uh, it doesn't matter if you get cut from an NFL team. You know, someone sees something in you and you're shuffling around. So if I have guys in the locker room who are saying, hey, we're going to give up 40 points a game, I don't care because I'm in the NFL. I'm trying to earn a roster spot. I'm trying to make my team better. I will take them a thousand times out of a thousand over Minka Fitzpatrick, who who verbally, publicly gave up. Get out of my locker room. Yeah, yeah. And there's that something to be said about that that you just complete, you know, rid anything that could ruin the locker room chemistry, especially for a first year coach like Brian, Brian Flores, who's trying to build a, a culture around all this that's happening surrounding the Dolphins. So. Um, you know, and again, if you're getting first round value for him, and you get that first round pick, and, and plus, I, I think they got uh, the the next best thing they got out of it was a fourth. So I mean, if you're accruing draft value, that's that's that can't hurt. And you know, a first round pick next year looks really good. I know for fantasy, for 2021st or, or like gold, like literal gold, like people would actually trade monetary value that's significant to get a 2021st. So, um, I, and now we we are, you know, this is our week three preview show so we should probably uh, the news is nice but uh yeah let's get to some of these games well, Kyle, um, well i do have to throw in one more thing for the news oh um, sure yeah cam noon is officially ruled out for the carolina um um cardinal game uh news came out a couple days ago obviously people have just their lineup but um it is official qb kyle allen will be starting that game um cam noon is out with a foot injury uh, after the game, uh, it was during that first drive that he had the foot injury, which is why he's still not um, looking good. But it's official; uh, he will not be playing. Okay. Um, I guess we'll get to the Panthers Cardinals game soon. So, uh, do you guys want to talk about the Thursday night game, or do we want to save that for the end? Uh, I can save it for the end. Okay. So, okay. Well, you know, let's want to jump right into the Panthers Cardinals then. Sure. Okay, so um, now, just okay, just on the news of of Kyle Allen, I don't know this defense again. Still missing Patrick Peterson. They, uh, I guess, what did the duh, what did the Ravens score last week? Twenty three points. Yep. Yeah. So that's I mean, considering they're coming off a fifty point performance, that that's good. So the defense is performing well enough, but without a lot of of great pieces, I still think Kyle Allen. You know, you that may, you may you know if you pick him up, maybe worth a play. 
depends. I, I guess this would be strictly super flex. I think I don't think any. I don't think anyone's playing Kyle Allen in a single quarterback league or even, frankly, rostering him. Uh, but Superflex, I could see it being the case. You may think of some, just some avoid matchups, or, or if you happen to be someone that was hit with all these quarterback injuries, like if you're if you're someone who was going to play Cam Newton today and you have to pick up Kyle Allen to play him, it, it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, I know there's a few guys that really scare me, like someone like Andy Dalton, who maybe be played most weeks. I'm really scared off of him against this Buffalo matchup. Uh, so maybe I would, you know, maybe pivot to Kyle Allen. He's got good weapons here. Uh, obviously, Christian McCaffrey's a great weapon who should be started no matter what. Uh, I know on Yahoo DFS, he's the most expensive player on the slate. So obviously, Yahoo's expecting him to have a, a monster week. He's probably just, okay, with no uh, Newton, he's just going to up his his volume. And he's going to run more. And not that Cam was running a lot this year, but he's going to get every opportunity, every goal line carry. I also really like playing Greg Olson. I think... Uh, you know, Kyle Allen kind of coming in. Greg Olson gives you that good blanket target. He always knows how to get open and he can make contested catches and he looks healthy. And the Cardinals have not been able to defend the tight end at all this year. Uh, TJ Hawkinson's a great talent, special talent. There's a reason he went in the top 10 of this year's draft, but he completely exploited them. And there was some, you know, blown coverages. He was wide open at times and they, you know, they really didn't seem to be able to cover him that well. And even Mark Andrews kind of went off and, at this day and age, Greg Olson's still talented enough that I think he should be started regardless. Um, you know, unless, of course, you have an amazing tight end like a Ertz or a, or a Kelsey Kittle. But otherwise, this matchup seems like Greg Olson has that kind of top five tight end upside of the week this week. So I, I think starts are for sure McCaffrey Olson. And then the passing options of Kyle Allen, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, they're maybes. It's kind of question marks of how they'll be. Um, just because of DJ Moore being a first round talent, I would kind of favor him over Samuel. I think I still think Olsen is where Kyle Allen will look to more. So if, if you need to, I think you can play them, but otherwise they're not uh, super strong starts on the Arizona side. I think David Johnson, you must start him every week, even though the Panthers have a great defensive line, his ability in the past game is always going to make him relevant. Larry Fitzgerald is actually tied for the lead league in red zone targets. And really, he's just been a, a target monster. And Kyle, uh, Kyler Murray se- really seems to like him. So I definitely think you have to play him. And Christian Kirk as well. He's uh, week one, not so good. But uh, week two, another big... Uh, I think he, even in week one, he got a lot of targets. He just dropped a lot of them. Uh, or just couldn't connect with Murray. But it seems like week two, they, they sort of found a better connection. And uh, they're starting to kind of, uh, you know, as I said, connect more. So I think I think he's worth playing too. Kyler Murray's a maybe. We haven't seen him run very much for his rushing production, but uh, the one worry about the Panthers is, again, their defensive line, so he might get rushed. But if he can escape the pocket and make plays with his arm, he could be worth playing. And uh, the thing with Chase Edmonds, I put him here as a maybe just to look out for. David Johnson did leave last week with a wrist injury. Um, if you're... I'm talking super deep leagues. Maybe you play, make a play at Chase Edmonds, banking on Johnson... You know, having a limited playing time or, or playing again or leaving, um, it seems like injury reports. Johnson practiced all week. It seems like he's fine. So uh, now that I'm reading this over and actually doing this, it does kind of seem like a crazy idea to play Chase Edmonds. Um, but I do think he should be rostered just because he's the you know the very clear handcuff. I mean, I don't think any other running backs gotten snaps aside from both of them this year for the Cardinals. So it it, it really is a, a one-two punch and. I mean, last week it was 60-40 split, but again, that was Johnson a lot of that leaving injury. It was 87-11 to split week one, so 
That's probably more where it's at, but I think he should still be rostered. Demarier Bird, Michael Crabtree, they got red zone targets. The Panthers' secondary is not the greatest. Their strength is the front seven, so if uh, Murray has enough time to get the ball off, they could be interesting plays. Uh, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. Uh, Demarier Bird played 93% of the snaps and 88 in week one. He's a regular part of that offense. They run four wide receiver sets, so they can have a third guy like Demarier Bird be relevant. So I think he, he's worth a play. And I'd avoid the tight ends completely. Max Williams, Charles Clay. I mean, they're barely on the field. Uh, honestly, last week they were, they had a t- uh, the Cardinals had a tight end on the field less than fifty percent of the time. So like these, the position, it, it's almost like a CFL team where it just doesn't exist <laughs> half the time. Um, so yeah, uh, those that's my those are my calls. Any uh, egregious errors that you guys want to repair? I wouldn't call it an error, but I do want to point one thing out that it's going to be my hashtag bold take. Um, David Johnson scares me. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's he's a first-round talent that is not playing like a first-round talent. Um, week one, he did great. Uh, he uh, put up massive fantasy points, and he just did phenomenal. But when he be, when he came up against a little bit of opposition with the um, Ravens defense, which I will grant it, the Ravens defense is pretty good. Um, he put up a big stinker. Uh, twenty five point seven points against Detroit, who was missing a lot of their guys, including a couple of linemen. So I would assume he put up good points against that team. But then when it came to Baltimore, he only put up eight point four, and that's what they. Uh, Decimated middle linebacker position because it came to the Jets. And Terrell Sluggs went to the Cardinals. And Earl Thomas went there, but he's a safety. And, um, like, it lost pieces, it gained a few, and it was it's still dominant enough, or it's good enough to stop David Johnson. They got Carolina this week. And I'm not saying Carolina's defense is all that great because, well, I mean, they have their share of struggles, to say the least. But um, I, I'd be I'd be tempted to not play um, David Johnson. In all honesty, I mean he he, he just it, it scares me. I know the 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 wrist injury does scare me. If that repeats, um, I mean you mentioned eight points. Most of that was from the touchdown he scored too. So, I mean fourteen yards on the ground, zero receiving yards on one reception. Like it really, you're right. It was it, you know kind of got lucky that he got the touchdown. Um, so here's the thing. Right? I, I, I can I can buy it. I can buy it. You'd have to be really deep at running back though, I think, to and have really two like really solid options to bench him over. But it's possible. Depends on how you built your team. And, and the other thing is, I mean, he, look, the Ravens allowed an average twenty point five rushing yards per game for the past two weeks. Uh, they've allowed two seventy four point five. Uh, total yardage per game for the past two weeks. But Carolina has allowed the least amount of passing yards, uh, 186, uh, the third overall per game for the past two weeks. So I think they're going to run the ball more. But with the front line being such how good it is because they could break through. And then you got Keekly there who could stop the run. So I don't think David Johnson's a, a play this week, in in my opinion. Okay, okay. that's fair. Um, Kayla, do you want to talk about the next game, the Lions and Eagles, or do you want to comment on uh, the Cardinals-Panthers? 
Um, yeah, McCommon on Cardinals Panthers real quick. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald in the start of the week. Uh, I'm I think he's gonna light it up again. Um, he's averaging 12 targets a game in the first two games, and last year he you know got barely got close to double digit targets. Uh, so you know NFL Network did an interview with Kyler Murray about how much he looks up to Larry Fitzgerald. So. I think some of it's a little bit of Murray's bias of wanting to get Fitzgerald to football, but it's also because Larry Fitzgerald isn't being used as much as a, as a, as a blocker on the offense. He's being more involved in the game Um, through two games against Detroit and Baltimore who and Baltimore's defense is supposed to be lights out. He has 13 catches for 217 yards and scored uh, that late touchdown in week one that forced overtime. Um, I, you know, another, you guys are talking about bold predictions. I think Carolina gets there. Let's go behind him to them in Arizona. Um, Arizona, for some reason, always plays really well at home, especially when East Coast teams make that cross-country trip. Um, so the fact that Cam Newton is out, uh, hey, it might help Carolina's receivers from where I'm sitting. But, um, you know, not having even a full week to have Kyle Allen practice with them and then you have to travel and prepare for that and adjust to everything. Just all the adjustments being thrown at them, uh, I don't I don't think bodes well for them. Um, I'm excited to see what the receivers do. Like you guys said, I'm, I'm a little worried about David Johnson. Um, I think he'll have a little bit of an impact on as much as fantasy owners would like. I'm not going to bench him, um, but I think the receivers have a better day. And then y'all are talking about Greg Olson, and I believe he is the sixth-graded uh, tight end through the first couple weeks in the NFL. And um, he had a big game last week, obviously, but he has 18 targets through two games, um, 146 yards. He's averaging 12 points a game uh, if you're not in PPR, which, you know, that – that says a lot about him. He kind of struggled last year and has struggled the last couple of years with injuries and putting points up in fantasy. Um, I think Kyle Allen will also kind of rely on Greg Olson just because of his veteran presence. Um, if I'm Kyle Allen, I know how Greg Olson's played throughout his career and I have more to go on than the receivers in their receiving core. Uh, so I think he'll also be kind of a blanket for Allen in this game. I just looked it up in half point PPR. Greg Olson is 10th right now. Um, in full PPR, that would go up because he would, it, you know, he would then leapfrog over some guys like Will Disley and and uh, probably Jalen, uh, Darren Waller as well. So I think I think you're right. I think he is top six in full PPR. Yeah, I'm looking at CBS Sports right now, and they have him six. It doesn't specify okay. which. No, but he's six and something, so that's good. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Again, uh, 18 targets. I think that's one, two, three. That's fourth among tight ends this year. I mean, we're talking the only guys with tight ends that have more targets are Delaney Walker, Evan Ingram, and Zach Ertz. Like, he has more targets than Kelsey does. So, um, just, you know, the, uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes' target is obviously worth way more than a, even a Cam Newton target, but certainly a Kyle Allen target. I just, this matchup against the Cardinals defense is, I think, just so great. And, it's also a reflection of the tight end pool in general that he is a you know a tight end one right now. Um, you can't really afford to to bench him unless you had one of those other guys in the top twelve really. Uh, but anyway, I think uh, if you're content, you can go talk us about uh, Lions and Eagles. Sure. Yeah. Um, so for Detroit, I'm starting Matthew Stafford this week. 
um, especially to injuries to quarterbacks. I think he's a good start, even on the road at Philadelphia. The track's not that far to Pennsylvania. Um, but Stafford has five touchdowns in two games with respectable yardages per game, averaging out to 315. Um, so I like him against an Eagles defense, even though they, they picked off Matt Ryan a lot. Um, I, I just think something's kind of off with the Falcons on offense, um, despite, you know, Ryan hitting with those receivers. But, um, I don't know. I, I don't think Philadelphia's defense is as strong as people are saying. I mean, they also played Washington week one and struggled into the third quarter in that game. Um, so I think they're a little shaky and Stafford could benefit from that. Um, Wide receiver Kenny Galladay had nine and ten targets respectively through the first two games and has a touchdown each. I think he's a really likely target for the Lions to uh, score against the Eagles. Um, and I'm also going to start TJ Hawkinson. Um, I know that's kind of an iffy call, but with the way tight ends are going, I know he had an off game last week, and I think he'll be looking for a rebound. And if I'm the Philadelphia defense, I'm putting him on a low priority in coverage when it comes to uh, Galladay, Marvin Jones, um, arguably Danny Amendola, even though I would sit him this week, uh, but we'll get to that later. I think um, because he had an off game, he'll be able to adjust. He's also really new to the league, so I, I think it's kind of just a back and forth right now, but with the inconsistency from uh, Amendola last week, and I don't know if Carrion Johnson's going to have that great of a game. Um, I think he's a viable option. He might be more of a sleeper, but like I said, with the tight end situations in the league, I, I'm going to start Hawkinson if I have to. Um, I think Marvin Jones is a sleeper. Kind of just depends on his usage and um, his total kind of yards per play. Um, he's not a bust, but he's not a must either. He's getting consistent targets, which I like. Um, for Detroit, I'm nervous to play carry on Johnson. Uh, a touchdown saved what would have been an eight-point fantasy day last week. And as a starting running back, that's not what I'm looking for. Um, you also probably didn't take him, you know, in the first, second, maybe you took him in the third round of your draft. So odds are you have another running back up there that you could replace him with. Um, that's just my opinion. But I'm um, also sitting Danny Amendola. He had 13 targets, which probably surprised the entire league in week one. But he went down to one target last week and didn't catch it. So the consistency isn't there. Uh, so he hasn't proven to me that I need to start him. Uh, on the Philadelphia side of the ball, I'm starting wide receiver Nelson Aguilar. Uh, he's going to be the, the healthiest wide receiver on Sunday. Um, he hit the century mark last week and scored a touchdown when the wide receivers were uh, banged up. When Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson left the game, he was still able to do that against uh, Atlanta's defense. Um, I'm also starting Zach Ertz because he's going to see an increase in targets. And he adjusted to that mindset late last Sunday. I'm a big advocate for in-game adjustments, so the way that he showed, you know, I wish he would have caught more than eight passes on 16 targets, but um, a lot of them came in the red zone, but that helps for fantasy, but I think that will change this week. I think they'll use him more, and they'll need to capitalize on his usage to be successful in the game, um, and you could also argue that he's the best kind of receiver playing in that game. Um, I have a sleeper for uh Wide, Philadelphia wide receiver J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Uh, he's going to be the number three wide receiver and most most likely on the field a good bit. Um, we've kind of seen him very sporadically over the first two weeks. I didn't really know who he was until I was kind of looking at this game. Um, but I do remember his name being called, and I remember, you know, kind of the, the talk about him in preseason. Um, the defense 
for Detroit hasn't been able to really prepare for him. I'm not sure what he's going to do. I don't coach an NFL team, but I don't think they have enough to go on to really be able to prepare for him. So if he's going to be the number one wide receiver and technically the number two wide receiver on the field, um, uh, he he has a chance to be a sleeper, especially if you have, you know, Antonio Brown and you pick somebody up or you didn't get a chance to pick up, you know, Nicole Hardman or Demarcus uh, Robinson in Kansas City. Um, he's somebody you could take a chance on. I'm not, I don't know if he's going to pay off, um, but, you know, just the statistics of him going into the game and just the fact of how the, the team's rolling on offense. It can't hurt to have a number two wide receiver that you pick up off off of waivers um, or just out of a free agent at this point since it's Friday. Um, but for Philadelphia, I'm sitting Carson Wentz. Um, he's using too many variables on offense and doesn't have a true run game. I'm sitting all running backs in all formats. Not one of them stands out alone to make a true fantasy impact, in my opinion. Um, kind of a touchdown-dependent or big play-dependent committee. Uh, there's just too many of them. And then, obviously, Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey is week-to-week, and he did more rehab than practice this week. Um, based on his own, you know, agenda. Um, and then Deshaun Jackson is doubtful right now. According to ESPN and CBS Sports, they said he's likely to miss multiple weeks with an abdomen injury. So, again, that you wouldn't start them anyway, but it's just important to know. And that also kind of helps R.C. The Whiteside's case a little bit too. I like the R.C. The Whiteside call uh, with Jackson and and Jeffrey missing most of that game. He ended up playing 93% of the offensive snaps. He was out there basically just as much as Nelson Aguilar was, who played 96%. Uh, and I want to double down and actually add one more name. It's Mac Hollins. He played 85% of the snaps in that game. Uh, what Where Hollins separates, though, is he also saw three red zone targets. So it was something that uh, Wentz seemed comfortable targeting him in, in the score areas. So if that keeps up, Hollins could actually see the touchdown. So I, I like playing either Hollins or Arcega Whiteside. I think both, like you said, they're both probably pretty free in league. So you probably wouldn't have need to draft them. You can pick them up by now. Um, Hollins probably could be picked up right now as a free agent in your league. So go check that out as you listen. Uh, to your point about the running backs, the one thing that the one role I thought maybe Jordan Howard might take, for instance, was goal line back. But they've split the red zone carries pretty much equal. Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of red zone opportunities, so carries and targets, they each have three through the first two weeks, Sanders, Sproles, and Howard. So there really doesn't seem to be one person distinguishing themselves from the other. Uh, I still think Sanders is the best, and he catches enough passes that I, he would be the only one I would play. Uh, but against the Lions, their offense is good enough that it might turn into a, a game that's, like you said, more on the receivers, more of a shootout. So I think Sanders is maybe a flex play at best if you you know if you really don't have another good running back option you really want to go there he, he may be a flex but yeah I, I think i would probably try to look elsewhere there are probably better games to play sanders um alessandro any uh thoughts or do you want to talk about the giants bucks game um i'm talk about the giants bucks because uh while I'm intrigued by the Panther game, I, there's not much fantasy relevant things I want to talk about in there, or there needs to be talked about. Um, so Giants and Buccaneers—they're playing in Tampa. Um, Giants are just having a really bad day here. Everything, 
But the only big good news they have going for them is um, uh, Daniel Jones is starting for the Giants. So it's um, it's definitely going to be interting. Cody Lammer, he's out with concu- and concussion. Benny Fowler has a hamstring, but he was limited practice all week. And um, so we may see rookie uh, Darius Slayton for the first time. Um, uh, rookie starts, Stan Jones, Slayton, the whole nine. Um, the Giants are just, they, they've not been having uh, a good year, so to speak. They lost to the Cowboys, lost to the Bills, and they're crushing defeat yesterday. So as far as, um, I, I shouldn't say yesterday, I'm sorry. I don't know where I was going with that. Um uh, they still lost, and uh, so in this game, um, obviously for Giants side, you're gonna play Saquon. Um, Fowler, like I said, limited practice with calf injury. I wouldn't play him or any wide receiver for the Giants for that matter. Um, I would play Evan Ingram. Uh, actually, I wouldn't play Evan Ingram because I've yet to see what Daniel Jones likes, how who he likes to target. So. The only play you can really do for the Giants is Saquon, to be completely honest. And um, as far as the Buccaneers go, um, Winston had bounce back game. He's doing decent, but he's still not fully there yet. Um, so play him at your own peril. Uh, for me, he's a, a super flex play at best. Um, I wouldn't trust him out super flex, especially not in one QB leagues. Um, Payne Barber, uh, he is definitely a play here. Uh, he had, he, he pretty much had the workload, 23 carries, uh, 82 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but he wasn't involved in the passing game. Actually he was, excuse me, uh, one yard, seven, uh, one reception, seven yards. So, um, I, I wouldn't see much, uh, from him in terms of passing, but definitely in the run game. Since the Giants are 31st in the run stop. Um, I, I would play Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Cameron Braid. Those are the big three I would play. And just because it's the Giants um, and they, they're bringing Daniel Jones, I would not play the Tampa Bay Bucks defense either. Um, just because I don't know how Daniel Jones is going to play. There's a lot of question marks for this game. Kayla, what do you think? Um, so I think Jameis Winston has the best chance of the season to prove that he still deserves to be a starter. Um, Winston played the Giants each of the past two seasons, and he averaged 25 points against them in both games. Um, so I think that's important to note, especially since they're banged up. I think that streak could continue. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, this is the if he's a starting quarterback, he needs to play like one. Um, I've been very disappointed in him for years, <laughs> honestly. Um, so I think he has a good chance to have a good game. And if you have Jameis Winston on your team and you're contemplating starting him, I think this is one of the best chances you're going to get this year. Um, so I think you start him just based on his matchup and what he's been able to do against the team. Um, and then, let's see, you said something about um, Peyton Barber as a must-start. I'm not sold on that just because the roles were reversed last week. Barber had so many 
um, share, well, he had so many carries um, and it looked like, you know, it was obvious that Tampa Bay was going with him, but in week one, it was kind of reversed with Ronald Jones. Um, so hopefully, you know, Tampa Bay doesn't flip-flop and kind of use him every other week. Um, so until I know that they're not going to do that, kind of makes it a little risky to play. He definitely showed that he's capable of being a starting running back, and I think he's the better option when given the chance uh, out of him and Ronald Jones. Um, but until that, again, I'm big on consistency. It really shows that he can do that week in and week out, and the team trusts him to do that. and doesn't force throwing the football with Winston when it's not working. Um, I don't think he's a must-start. I think he could start him, but I don't think he's a must-start. That's a good point, Kayla. I think, uh, well, last week, last week he saw 65% of the snaps after pretty much splitting it right down the middle, three, one-third, one-third, one-third with Jones and Ungubuali. Uh, but he really took over, and part of that was they were in the lead, right? Behind with the week one against the 49ers, they were behind, and they needed to catch up. So mm-hmm. uh, Dario Ogumbawale, being the pass-catching back, obviously played the most snaps for them, and that is part of why that happened. With here, them kind of trying to run out the clock and nurse a lead that was a little fragile. Uh, it certainly kind of the game script fell in Barber's favor. Uh, depending, it, it could work here for the Giants. I mean, a guy like Barkley can kind of change things. But, uh, if, you know, if you believe in, I know Alessandro, you said you didn't believe in the Bucks defense. I think because we haven't seen Daniel Jones, I would be more encouraged to play them. Maybe it's a more of a DFS thing. I really like their low price. Uh, but I, I'm not afraid to start the Bucks defense and, and, and as a consequence, because I don't necessarily think the Giants put up a lot of points, I, I'm not afraid to start Barber either. Uh, but that being said, though, I think Evan Ingram is probably going to see targets no matter what. He, right now, in half-point PPR, is the tight end three overall. So, especially so, those who drafted Evan Ingram, I don't know who you'd have as your option, unless you, you went out and picked up, like, a, a a Darren Waller off the waiver wire just as insurance or something. Maybe you got Will Disley after the touchdowns. I don't know how you'd be able to to bench Evan Ingram. It just it it, it would be tough for me to find a figure out a replacement. Yeah, I think you just have to know that you're going to start Evan Ingram, and he's going to get a lot of targets, but he's going to be one of the people who's covered the most, if not the most, in the passing game. Um, so just don't necessarily expect that Evan would be caught that's thrown his way. Okay, so Kayla, uh, why don't you talk us about the Texans and Chargers game? Sure. Um, Houston, obviously, I'm going to start quarterback Deshaun Watson. I think he's going to definitely rebound from last week, and it could end up being in a shootout with Philip Rivers. Um, I think Philip Rivers is really good. I'm, I'm going to start him in all formats also. Um, he's teetered around 300 yards in each game, and not having a passing touchdown again won't happen in this game. Um, Houston has a 24th-ranked pass defense, and although Rivers is missing a couple guys on offense, um, he's really found the lock in throwing also to Austin Eckler. Um, and Keenan Allen should play. I know he kind of had a little banged up during the week, but nothing to me suggests that Keenan Allen is going to be out. So I'm going to start all three of those guys for the Chargers. Um, Eckler's also getting all the touchdowns on the ground. So adding some in the air, I mean, how can you not start him? I think he's he, he's better than Melvin Gordon. Um, that might be you know a hot take, but... Um, the play for his first two games shows me that he wants all the touchdowns, so I'm going to play him every week. Um, and Keenan Allen has eight catches for each of his first two games and has also cheated around 100 yards. He's been Rivers' favorite target for the last couple of years, so I'm going to start him. 
Um, but back to Houston on offense. I'm going to start uh, Carlos Hyde. He's number one on their depth chart. now. He saw 20 carries last week, um, even though his yards per carry went down. Uh, so that might just because he had more touches and he's trying to get more used to the game again now that he was traded down to Houston. Um, so I'm not necessarily concerned with his yards per carry yet. And I think Houston is going to need uh, to run the football. They just kind of vary their attack against the Chargers. And even if it becomes a shootout, they're going to need him um, to just be kind of a change of pace guy too, which will get him some extra yards. Um, I'm going out on the limb and I'm going to say start Will Fuller. Um, obviously, you're going to start DeAndre Hopkins. You don't even have to go on Hawaii. You probably took him in the first round. Um, so I'm going to start Fuller because even though he's been disappointing so far, the Chargers gave up big plays, and I think a lot of points are going to be scored in this game. Um, Houston has pretty much dismissed Kiki Cootie, so now Fuller's kind of behind DeAndre Hopkins, but I still think he's in front of Kenny Stills. And even though Kenny Stills is a big play threat, Fuller is bigger and he's more experienced with Watson, and I think that's important. Uh, for Houston, I'm going to sit Duke Johnson. Um, he's shown that he's not really being used in the passing game, which is, which is what the staple was in Cleveland. Um, and he had just six carries last game. Um, I don't see how you start Kenny Stills, in my opinion. I think he's a big touchdown or bust dependent in this game. They're not really looking for him for short yardage games, and if they are, he gets about two or three, and that's not fantasy relevant. Um, moving back to the Charter side of the football, um, a sleeper to me is Williams. I think he resembles Fuller a lot in this game, and I think Mike Williams is more reliable when it comes to big plays than Bill Fuller is. Um, since both teams are looking for a long ball, he also shows that he can haul them in. Um, he had three catches for 83 yards. Uh, Alessandro, any uh, comments? No, I think Kayla hit spot on for me. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I, I I do like playing Will Fuller this week. Uh, Going to assume that DeAndre Hopkins sees most of Casey Hayward. That opens a better matchup up for Will Fuller. And uh, yeah, I do like Mike Williams as well. This good. And if this game does get to a kind of more of a shootout, I don't hate playing Duke Johnson. Uh, we saw him more used in the past game, Week One against the Saints, and. Last week, it just seemed like it was a you know a defensive game against the Jaguars. It was going to be all about running the clock. It seemed just looking on the surface that does seem a lot more like a Carlos Hyde game. It, it I know you you wrote down, Kayla. It's disappointing that uh, Duke Johnson was not used in the passing game because that's always been a staple of his production. Uh, but I could see him getting uh, getting targets in this game. So I'm not. That's fair. I don't. I don't. I, I still think I, I agree with you. I'd play Carlos Hyde over him. I much more easily see playing Carlos Hyde, and maybe that maybe the Texans want to turn this into another run game to kind of limit the Chargers' offense. But I, I see I see a case for Duke Johnson to maybe produce if you if you need him. Um, I don't uh, you know is it that's kind of a low, a low end RB three RB four flex in, in the deeper leagues. Uh, but I, I kind of I do like the calls of you know kind of still avoiding Kenny Stills and Kiki Kuti and. Waiting to see how they develop more with Watson before really trusting them. Uh, I'm going to move on to the Steelers and 49ers. Uh, so from Pittsburgh, obviously going to start Juju. Uh, Connor, the only thing I was looking for was the injury reports. He didn't practice Wednesday, but he had full practices Thursday, Friday. So, uh, I mean, as long as he's playing, you're playing Connor. 
even though it's a tough defensive line for the 49ers, I, I still think Connor has to be played. And uh, quietly, one of uh, Mason Rudolph's favorite targets last week was Vance McDonald. Maybe not so quietly. He caught two touchdowns. So uh, I think he ended up catching all seven of his targets. I'm uh, not sure if all those were from Rudolph, but the two touchdowns were. So right off the bat, red zone, at the very least, Rudolph's looking McDonald's way. Uh, again, we with what tight end is the landscape there uh, Vance McDonald especially towards the end of draft season was going early enough in drafts that you probably really can't afford to bench him you took early enough investment that your second tight end unless unless maybe you got a guy like Greg Olson right just because the matchup is so amazing maybe that's a scenario where you could Vance him but but otherwise I think Vance McDonald should be played I, I'd like to see how he develops further with with uh, Mason Rudolph. I put Jalen Samuels as a maybe, but that was dependent on Connor's status. Um, I don't really like playing him. If, if Connor does as he appears to be, is a full go, I, I don't really think I should play Jalen Samuels. Mason Rudolph is risky being his first start. Uh, the 49ers defensive line looked great against uh, both their opponents, both the the Bucks and the the, the Bengals. Now, neither of those teams has the offensive line that the Steelers have, so maybe they hold them at bay a bit more, give Rudolph some time. I put James Washington and Deontay Johnson both as sits. Um, but now that I think about it, I'd be more inclined to, to kind of slide them into the maybe starts. If um, Just because as much as the front seven's great, they don't really have the corners to properly cover. And uh, depends on, you know, if they play Juju in the slot, then Richard Sherman's probably going to be covering one of either Washington or Johnson. Washington probably has the speed to burn him, so maybe there maybe Washington's worth a play, and so is Johnson to kind of see. We don't really know who Rudolph's number two target is going to be. Maybe it is Vance McDonald, but um, I wouldn't be a full trust on them just because of the, the 49ers defense. But I'm not super opposed to playing any of them for the 49ers. Kittle's the only true obvious start, but considering how many targets uh, the rookie Debo Samuel got last week, I think he's kind of entering that must-start territory. Uh, I suppose the one thing that uh, kind of complicates it is, you know, Samuel as a slot receiver, if, if they play Minka Fitzpatrick, which, I mean, you got to think at this point. Sorry? They said they will. They're saying they're going to play Minka. Yeah, I, I figured they would. I mean, you wouldn't trade for a first-round pick for a guy. He doesn't have to play 100% of the snaps, but at least get him out on the defense at times and certain sub-packages that you really like, nickel packages and dime packages, which they may run a lot of. Uh, anyway, so I think Fitzpatrick might end up being on a guy like Samuel, which that's that's maybe scary. Uh, but he they could also decide to just take the outsides away, and I don't know we'll see we'll see how the Steelers choose to defend this, how they choose to defend George Kittle, and maybe that opens things up for Debo Samuel. <clears throat> like I said, he got enough targets last week. Uh, Garoppolo, I think, is a maybe. Uh, really looked good last week when he was able to get some protection and. Uh, the Steelers' defense is pretty decent. And again, they just got better with Minka Fitzpatrick, so there's a slight bit of hesitation. Uh, the real issue is the running backs, right? Like, what do you do with these guys? I mean, Matt Burita's getting the volume. Raheem Mostart's the pass-catching guy. And uh, based on last week, Jeff Wilson's the goal-line guy. He got five red zone carries last week. So, uh, so far, Burita doesn't even have a red zone touch at all this season. And it, at the start of the year, it almost seemed like he would be the best suited for goal line work, especially over a guy like Tevin Coleman, who's more of an outside runner. But, uh, yeah, it's really tough to trust any of them. But but maybe there's – I could think last week they, they all kind of produced enough. Wilson just – he got the touchdowns to boost his value. But I think Burita had a 100-yard game against the Bucks. It's just he didn't score a touchdown. And then 
Mostert had a big uh, reception for a touchdown. So uh, they're all options, certainly. If you, uh, I mean, there's better, like, like I, I would still chase a volume play, like <laughs> Leonard Fournette, for instance, um, or certainly a Frank Gore. But now that we know Devin Singletary's out, I, I think I'd much rather play Frank Gore than any of these guys. So, again, that's why they're in the maybes. As for Sid, I have Dante Pettis and Marquise Goodwin. I know, Kayla, you're going to kind of fight back on Goodwin. And to a certain extent, I actually kind of agree with you. I, I definitely like playing him more than Pettis. Um, so, yeah, so why don't you uh, explain your thoughts on Marquise Goodwin? Uh, I'm not going to argue with you about Marquise Goodwin. Um, I think you're right. <laughs> so. Uh, oh, never mind. Okay. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was thinking like, okay, my my mistake. I I, mis- no, I misinterpreted the comment. The comment. I don't even remember what you're referring to, but that's okay. Um, uh, Pittsburgh defense. They're on a cross country road trip. New quarterback. Maybe, maybe that wasn't meant for him. It was the meant for the the Steelers I mean, guys. That was kind of just overall. Um, I think it, I think I did that because it's important to note with Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, because the Steelers have already struggled this year. I mean, they gave up a huge game to Tom Brady, and you know the NFL put that as the primetime game in the first week, and it was an embarrassment. Um, the Steelers' defense have given up 641 passing yards in two games and don't have an interception. I think Micah Fitzpatrick is going to help that case, but he's not going to be able to do it by himself, especially you know a couple of days after getting to the team. Um, Garoppolo also scored 27 points last week against Cincinnati, uh, give or take, depending on the league that you're in. Um, so I think he's he's a sleeper in my opinion, but also, you know, with uh, Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Brees being out and now Cam Newton being out, um, I don't think many people drafted Jimmy Garoppolo or, you know, really added them on waivers last week. Uh, so I think, you know, if you're in a quarterback find and you're looking for a good matchup, I think this is a great matchup. Um, so I, I like playing Jimmy Garoppolo, um, not necessarily even if you need, uh, if you're desperate for a quarterback, but obviously, you know, if you have some of the more marquee guys, I'm not going to bench them for Garoppolo. So I think it's, it's safe to say that he's a sleeper or as you call it a maybe, uh, but I, I definitely think that he's a little more higher up than just like a maybe. I think you could definitely benefit from him because like you said earlier, I'm not going to play Andy Dalton or guys that are going up against tough defenses. Um, and in my opinion, Garoppolo is not going up against tough defense. True. And I mean, I, I said I said Kyle Allen is a maybe, and I'm looking at that, and I would definitely much rather have Garoppolo than Allen. There's a bit of a difference. And even, even a Kyler Murray, um, just again, the Panthers' defensive line could get some sacks, could make life difficult for, for Murray, maybe more so than... Uh, any team really has yet this year ravens i mean the lines the lines defensive line is great at run stopping pressure not not quite the same as what the at least what we've seen the first two weeks with the panthers it's been one of the strengths of their team if not the, the maybe the shining point of their team has been their defensive line play uh so yeah so yeah I, i'm getting that i i know i'm starting garoppolo in quite a few leagues i wasn't afraid to draft him this year so uh alessandro you know, Kayla mentioned uh, Drew Brees being out. So do you want to talk about the Saints now? Them traveling to Seattle to play the Seahawks? Sure, I can talk about them. So like you said, Drew Brees is out. So Teddy Bridgewater will be playing. Um, Teddy Bridgewater bounced around from team to team. Uh, he was the Viking starter until uh, his gruesome injury. Then he bounced around uh, from the Jets and finally landed on the Saints. So... Um, 
he is exper- he landed there last year after the Jets and the Saints traded. So he has a year's experience with the Saints offense, with um, Peyton's uh, offense. So um, he knows it. It's just that now uh, Sean Payton and Tay Bridgewater have to come together and utilize each other's skills. Um, when he went over in the uh, New Orleans Rams game last week, 17 for 30, 165, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but got sacked twice. Um, he and Michael Thomas had to connect really quick. Uh, Michael Thomas got 13 targets off of um, he and 10 receptions, 89 yards, no touchdowns. So it's not bad, but it could always be better. Um, as far as who I would play in this game, I wouldn't play Teddy. Um He's just too much of a wild card. He's not established, and he doesn't have the connection with all the guys like Drew Brees does. But then again, Drew Brees is more of a Hall of Fame quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater is right currently. Um, I would play Kamara, and I would play Latavius Murray only because I could see more of the ground game being used. But I temper expectations with that because Ziggy Ansah, um, he is cleared to play. Um, he will be playing his first game as a Seahawk this coming game. And you have Bobby Wagner there, who is just an absolute monster. And there's a reason why he is the number one uh, linebacker in the game right now. He's a true game wrecker. So I would temper expectations with Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray, but I still would play them. Um, Michael Thomas, he, I would play him, but he's a questionable play for me. Um, just simply because of Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, I know Thomas is great. I'm not going to deny that. I, but um, when Sean Payne said they're going to play uh, Michael Thomas, I mean, um, excuse me, Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill in two QB uh, rotational sets, um, every single one of the Saints' wide receivers took a hit as far as fantasy value for me because you don't know who's going to get the hot hand. It could be Deontay Harris. It could be Michael Thomas. It could be Traquan Smith. Jared Cook, you don't know who's going to be the number one. So that worries me. You know, Tay Bridgewater could be targeting Michael Thomas all he wants, but Taysom Hill will target Jared Cook or Zach Line or Deontay Harris or who knows. So um, I would temper expectations. And um, I, I don't know. It, it's be, For right now with New Orleans, it's either play no one or play the normal guys. But with the situation at quarterback and their defense being a little bit shaky as it is, because um, they they're it's good, but it's not good enough. If that makes sense, it's it's, it's shaky at best. So um, player discretion advised. And uh, as far as the Seahawks go, um, I would play Russell Wilson. Like I said, the defense for the Saints is shaky, so. Um, I would definitely play Russ just because he has a rushing upside and he threw 300 yards against Pittsburgh. Um, I, so I like him in this game. Um, give me Carson, give me Penny. I will play them both. I know they've been running each other. Uh, Carson got 15 carries. Penny's got 10 carries and a touchdown and more yardage than Carson. But Carson's getting the production. Um, I'll take them both. Give me both. And as far as wide receivers go, um, I would take Lockett and Metcalf. Um, everyone else has been pretty much a crapshoot in this game. And um, as far as the defense goes, I wouldn't. 
I wouldn't play the Seahawks defense. I wouldn't stream it because you don't know if Taysom Hill or um, Tay Bridgewater would get hot or they would just, you know, flat out can't do anything. Like, there are a lot of question marks with this game ever since Breeze left. And um, you can argue for their defense being good and holding out. That's fine. But there's a lot of question marks, and it really puts um, a question on the wide receivers in New Orleans. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with most of it. I think it, risky propositions with the Saints. Just wondering how Bridgewater is going to be. Like I don't know, guys like Trey Smith, Ted Ginn. I don't know. I, I'm not really interested in playing them. Uh, but you know, I, I feel like everything's just going to get funneled back towards Kamara and Thomas, maybe even more so. There's Peyton's just going to look to target them more, maybe than than others. Uh, Jared Cook. Maybe a play at tight end. Uh, we've already named a few tight ends today that I think I would rather play most of them, at least in the, the case of the obvious. Right now, he's technically a tight end. No, no, he's not. He's right outside the fringe of tight end two. In a half point PPR, he's tight end 25. So he's, and I mean, I guess right now uh, that includes two players that are playing this week, David Njoku and Tyler Higby that are ahead of him. So he kind of is in that tight end two range, but yeah, unless you're playing two tight ends, I don't know. Jared Cook even seems like a risky proposition. Uh, yeah, but as for the as for the Seahawks, I think you're right. Um, kind of curious to see who Marshawn Lattimore is going to cover, though. If, if he's on Lockett, that could really hurt Lockett. Uh, if he's on Metcalf, technique-wise, he's got Metcalf like uh, beat, right? It's going to be tough for Metcalf to out-technique anybody, but certainly Lattimore. You know, Metcalf would win if he wins with his size and contested catches. That's not always Wilson's game, right? He likes finding the open guy. So Metcalf could be risky, but only if he's on Lattimore, if Lattimore covers him. And it's tough to know how the Saints are really going to attack that. So I think there's an argument to play them. Um, and then, yeah, the obvious guys, I think you, you nailed them. Kayla, do you want to uh, chime in? here with uh, the Seahawks defense. Ooh, um, yeah. I'm going to stream them this week because, uh, first off, obviously, we already talked about it, Drew is out. Um, but New Orleans is not playing in a dome this week. They're coming up to a high humidity Seattle 12th man stadium. Uh, in 50 to 60 degree weather, they don't play in that cold of a weather in the dome. Uh, it's supposed to be 50 to 60 chance of rain at game time. So, you know, my with Teddy Bridgewater, I think he's a decent quarterback. Um, but he he's had just you know, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but really just a full week of first team reps and first team practice. So if you know the the ball's taken out of the air more so by the weather conditions, and they rely on Kamara. Yes, that helps Kamara, but it also gives the Seahawks a little bit less, um, I guess, kind of like, you know, they might not be as worried about covering the wide receivers and they can kind of focus in on the run. Um, they have, there's a lot of factors that the Saints have to overcome just where they're playing. Um, so I think the Seahawks are an interesting uh, kind of bet this week. And I know for me, when, I, when we talk about streaming defenses, I do kind of like to look two weeks in advance and see, okay, if I, if I pick up the Seahawks, am I going to get to play them next week? They play the Cardinals. And while the Cardinals have put up some points, it's still a rookie quarterback. So that, you know, there's, I don't think that's a crazy idea, actually, Kayla. This could, this could be uh, an interesting play that could pay off in two somewhat risky matchups two weeks in a row, but that could be good for, for the Seahawks as a streaming option. So uh, I like that call. Um, 
and it's funny because I'm looking to Seahawks next opponents after that are the Rams and the Browns who play on Sunday night. So Kayla, want to talk about that, that game? Yeah. Um, the Browns are definitely not what uh, everybody made them out to be. Um, I went back and forth between the Rams and the Seahawks defense. And I ultimately went with the Seahawks defense just because of what I stated. Um, many more things that are in their favor, but uh, for the Rams, even though they're on the road, I'm playing Jared Goff. Uh, he proved he can take, he can play and throw the long ball and the short ball. Cleveland's defense fell apart against Tennessee and didn't do great against the Jets. Um, they're facing another team with an actual offense. Um, and we saw last night that Tennessee might not necessarily have the offense that we thought of. Um, so I think this is the Browns' hardest competition in three games. Um, I'm going to play Todd Gurley also. There's not so much of a committee approach as of now. Um, so I like what Gurley did last week. Um, wide receiver Cooper Cup is the most consistent wide receiver on their team. Um, he's getting the bulk of their targets and he's making the most of them. So I like I like him this week. I like him almost every week. Um, but I do like him this week against the Browns. Because um, I don't think the Browns' defense is going to focus on him. So I think that's going to be a mistake for their defense as well. Um, for sleepers, I have Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods. Uh, without Brandon Cooks' 50-plus yard catch last week, um, his stat line didn't matter. So if he doesn't have a touchdown, uh, he makes for a poor day in my opinion, but I think he has a good chance to get a touchdown this game. Um, Wood was also covered well, and the ball wasn't really tested to him because of that last week. Um, but again, I think that changes. I don't think he's a good football team. Um, and like I said, uh, the Rams defense, Baker Mayfield isn't himself. Um, I think, you know, the Rams are good at continuing the run defense. And then we saw in week one when Mayfield tried to do too much in the game because they were down, he beat himself. Um, and I think the Browns are going to find themselves down early and Mayfield might run into struggles. Um, I'm going to sit take me. You guys already talked about that as long as Um, for Cleveland, I'm going to start Odell Beckham. He has had 21 targets in two weeks. He's emerged as the favorite wide receiver. There's a lot of controversy about how um, might be tough for OBJ and Jarvis Landry to share uh, targets and passes and fame on the Cleveland offense, but it's pretty apparent that Jarvis Landry is a little bit of an afterthought right now. Um, he's not really cared about. He played against the depleted Jets team and didn't even show even after Njoku left the game. Um, I'm also going to start Nick Chubb. Um, he had solid carries and targets in the past game. Um, he might help make up for any um, Mayfield miscues this week and kind of just keep guys alive. I think he's a solid option still. Um, but for Cleveland, I'm going to sit Baker Mayfield. Um, I think he's going to be in the same situation as week one, like I just talked about. And he'll try to be more of the hero, which will cause more problems. Um, and then I already just made my case for Jarvis Landry, but other than that, um, I'm not going to play Cleveland's defense at all. There's definitely better options out there. And you're not going to play the Joker who's on IR, so. Yeah, I think uh, there's, t- I mean, the Joker could be uh, out for quite a while, actually. The could, could, Joker may not put on IR. Yeah, um, and the, from the severity of it, it could take the year. Well, we'll see. I mean, that's to be reevaluated. Um, I do agree with most of it, actually. And Landry is scary. I mean, he's gotten 14 targets, and he's only literally caught 50% of them, seven seven of them. So uh, last year with Cleveland, his catch rate was at 61%. So that's uh, that's not uh, the greatest. I mean, it, it, you know, to go down 
right now is at 49.5. I think it's, I don't know why it's not exactly 50. Oh, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Yeah, last year was 54%. My mistake. Yeah, 54%. So uh, I know that he was used a lot more downfield than he was ever with the, the Dolphins, which is why his catch percentage has gone down with Baker, even though Baker is probably the most accurate quarterback. Well, not probably. He is the most accurate quarterback he's ever played with by far. Uh, but it's more of his usage. And it seems like that they continue, even with Beckham there, it seemed like Beckham was almost getting more of the underneath stuff. And uh, using Landry as a field stretcher is not kind of what I expected from him this year. So uh, it's kind of disappointing. And I, I think I have to agree with you, Kayla, that, uh, you know, the pass rush is not going to allow Baker to target guys downfield. So if that's how they're going to use Landry. You're right. It's going to go more to Beckham. Uh, and yeah, and uh, Chubb probably just runs more just so they can protect Baker. If they want to stop that Rams pass rush, maybe running right at them might be the best way to kind of keep them honest. So there's definitely great plays. And yeah, most of the Rams players, I think, are good plays. I do like playing the Rams defense, actually, if nothing else, just for stack numbers, because we know that the Browns offensive line really is uh, it's it's the funniest thing. They had the, one of the best offensive lines for years when the entire team was trash around them. And now that they finally have the pieces, their whole line's trash. It's ah man, the Browns must have done something in the 50s to kind of Anger the football gods, winning all those titles. Now they can't do anything. I've done something to anger the football gods. I've known a feeling. <laughs> yeah, apparently. And guaranteeing your victory is not. It's frowned upon. Apparently. Hey, I will say this. Uh, you are right about the um, the offensive line. I mean, uh, when the Jets played the, um, the Browns, they were able to break through. Now with relative ease, I mean, then again, uh, most of my uh, edge rushers were shipped off to either to the locker room or to Seattle. Thank you, Mike McKagan. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, definitely uh, Los Angeles has better edge rushers and uh, O-linemen with Aaron Donald. I mean, granted, Aaron Donald will probably not play or be limited in play because he was limited in practice with his back injury, but... Um, yeah, they'll definitely break break through a lot easier. So uh, definitely uh, stream that defense. Um, as far as Todd Gurley goes, I still don't trust him. He could put up record numbers. I still wouldn't trust him. That arthritis and knee man, it's it, it's still killer for me. So if I'm playing, um, if I'm playing Gurley, I'm playing Malcolm Brown as well. That's my handcuff. Tough to play both though. If you but I mean, he could. I guess. Brown was going cheap enough because everyone was drafting Henderson that you you know you may have been able to get Gurley and and uh, Brown without having to pay too much, so it's possible. Uh, now we're going to move on to the Monday night game, and as always, this Monday night game we're going to be doing a uh, full press coverage sponsored contest on Statement Games. So this is the Bears and Washington game. So uh, be sure to join that, and as always throughout the season, we're keeping track of all the points accumulated through those contests and. The, the individuals with the most points at the end of the year can win merchandise from the full press coverage store. So uh, be sure to enter and join, and, and good luck to all of you in that. Uh, I just checked, and this, the contests are open for Monday, so the, our full press coverage uh, sponsor contest is there for you to join if you do join statementgames.com. But anyway, this Bears-Washington game, for fantasy-wise, um, this almost seems like it's the week for Trubisky. We've seen Washington allow some big passing totals to, to teams. Um now, we kind of thought maybe they get it again, done against Denver, but uh, Denver hasn't also allowed too many robust totals. Like the the Raiders beat them on the ground, not through the air, but with Washington, they've got they've been just burned through the air. And uh, I think Trubisky Robinson connections really going to be something 
present today. I don't know that Washington has a corner that can cover a guy of Allen Robinson's size who can make contested catches and is pretty fast. So I like playing both of them this week. Uh, again, in a single quarterback league, probably not Trubisky, but I, super, super flex league, I think that's where I would kind of, I think Trubisky's got upside. I, I, uh, we saw it last year. He struggled and then he got a, a weaker defense that he played against and then went off for like 40 points, right? And that, maybe Washington's a little bit better than Tampa last year, but not really. So I, I don't know. I could see Trubisky having a bit, finally a good week this year so far. And I like playing David Montgomery. One thing that became apparent to me, even though the snap count was kind of close, uh, it was the red zone carries. He had all five of them and all five of them were inside the five yard line. So they, he, he's their goal line back. They, they just proved that um, basically last week maybe they change course. I mean, he did score eventually a touchdown, so I don't know why they would change course at this point, but uh, I, I think Dave Montgomery is a great play. Tariq Cohen and Anthony Miller maybes, and the maybe was really the, the health of Miller. He's not on the injury report. Uh, I think he's finally in line. He, he only saw 50% of the snaps last week after only playing 22% in a game that he was still kind of recovering from his shoulder ailments. So if he's uh, healthy and good to go and start playing 70 80% of snaps, I, I like playing Anthony Miller. I think Anthony Miller's playing time comes at the expense of maybe a guy like Tariq Cohen, who I don't mind playing still as a running back because he's going to at least get enough rushing opportunities to offset maybe the loss of targets. But a guy like Taylor Gabriel, who has been playing 98 97% of snaps, also hasn't seen a, a huge abundance of targets. And if Anthony Miller comes back and takes some playing time away, I think Taylor Gabriel's a guy that really loses, uh, loses that. And uh, Mike Davis at running back, he's starting to get phased out. Uh, even even last week. I mean, he he uh, played 56% of the snaps in week one, and then week two went down more than half. He went down to 25%. So uh, Dave Montgomery's expanded role certainly came with the expense of Davis and, and again, Anthony Miller getting on the field more as well. Uh, so, yeah, so I think I'd bench Mike Davis. And Trey Burton, he is uh, he's practiced in a limited fashion all week. But it's still tough to trust him yet. There's, we've mentioned a lot of good options at tight end, and Burton's one of those guys that may have been drafted that maybe picked up another guy that's kind of now your tight end one, and you can kind of let Burton go on the wayside. So I think I'd see Burton for sure. On the Washington side, I don't think there's any automatic starts. Uh, the running backs like Chris Thompson and, and Adrian Peterson, sure. Uh, but this defense is really difficult. It makes the trust a really tough, tough to trust anybody. Terry McLaurin at wide receiver as a rookie has done really well. He's going to see a lot of Kyle Fuller in this game. So maybe that's uh, finally the guy who gets the best of him. So uh, it's, uh, I don't know. You'd have to, to, for me to play him, you'd have to be kind of weak at wide receiver and not have too many great options. Vernon Davis at tight end might make the most sense. Uh, although last week we didn't really see Joe Flacco target Noah Fant, especially. Uh, didn't really get that much work. And uh, I mean, Aaron Rodgers did score the only touchdown against the Bears. Uh, in that game was to Jimmy Graham at tight end. So maybe, maybe Vernon Davis, that's kind of his red zone role, but I really don't like playing case Keenum this week. I think the bears defense is one of the scariest matchups in the NFL and uh, it's not a great O line. So I think Keenum is finally ready to come back down to earth. He had two really outstanding weeks, but not this week. There's, I know if I've referenced him a couple times, I think I'd rather play Kyle Allen just because I'm that scared of this game. Um, and then Trey Quinn and Paul Richardson, I think are also benchable. Um, really, Terry McLaurin's the number one receiver there. He's the only guy I would entertain the possibility of playing, even though I'm... I think, the the for me, the likeliest player to start is probably Chris Thompson, just because I think the Bears are going to be up. It's going to force 
a pass catchy running back like Thompson to be out there catching passes. But it's still not there's not much upside there to play. Like I, I definitely could see just not playing any Washington players at all. You guys uh, agree with that? Yeah. Okay, uh, then let's uh, quickly talk about the Thursday night game. Um, so, okay, you've been waiting all episode to say it, so let's go. Let me hear it. Let's talk. Yeah, I'm going to let you have the honors for this one. Go to jail. You were convicted. <laughs> oh. So. That's so. harsh. I appeal. <laughs> Denied. I want to hear it. <laughs> Thank you. Well, hey. My appeal, my appeal is twelve. It's a half point PPR. You got twelve point two points. We'll see. I mean, I, I think it's we have to suspend oh, judgment he, until he can't fine. even touch down on a breakaway. What I know, I know. I actually, you're right. That was that was concerning because his breakaway speed is one of the things that made him so special. So that that was concerning. Uh, he got caught by a DB, which isn't. I mean, there's there are some really fast DBs in the league. At least it wasn't a linebacker, but but still, I I, I was a little concerned by that. To be honest, it could have been a lot bigger. You're right. All right, let's let's just break this down real quick. Okay. <laughs> so Leonard Fournette had 15 carries last night, right? <laughs> Before his 69-yard rush, in order, well, not in order, but from least amount of yards to most amount of yards, negative seven, negative five, negative four, negative three, zero, 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 two, oh, two, again. Three, four, five, sixty-nine, which should have been a touchdown. And let I want to examine the sixty-nine-yard run. First off, it came in the fourth quarter when Tennessee was up a favorable amount. So if they give up a big play, why do they care? They're gonna win. And or no, Jackson. Sorry, Jacksonville was up by so much. So Tennessee's defense gives up a big play. Who cares? Um. They're already going to lose, and Jacksonville didn't even benefit off the run because they came away with no points. Even though they were up, uh, they didn't choose to take a field goal, which I thought made the most sense. But uh, if, if Tennessee's playing in a game where they know that their defense knows that they're not going to win, um, I know a lot of people, you know, you could argue and say, oh, there's still X amount of time on the clock. No. If they couldn't do anything against them the whole game, they're not going to be worried about containing anything at this point. Um, so the fact that he, you know, had 69 yards on that one play, I mean, it saved your fantasy game, but didn't really, it doesn't give me much hope. I mean, negative seven yards on a rush. And there was multiple times in the game, he tripped over the grass. He tackled himself. And hey, man, that, getting... that air was, you know, terrible. He couldn't do anything with the air action. Didn't happen that often. And like, for instance, the, neg- the negative seven rush, I remember that one. That was, there were three guys in the backfield. Like, his O-line didn't protect him at all. There was nothing he could have physically done as a runner. Minshew should have, shouldn't have even handed off. He should have just thrown it away. But uh, but regardless. Yeah, it's still fought on him. And you know that's... Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, that, it, it's his fantasy long, production. Yeah. The, that long rush, that was his first rush of 25 or more yards since November 19, 2017 against the Browns. And how were the Browns that year? Horrendous. 0-16? Horrendous. <laughs> so, yes, I would hope he would rush for more than 25 yards against a team that couldn't win a game. Um, now, I didn't go back and do the, find out the stats of when he had, you know, that long of a rush beforehand. But, you know, I could understand if that was maybe his first 40-yard-plus rush or 50-yard-plus rush, but 25? 
in two years? No, I'm sorry. Um, anyway, so I guess my okay. whole point, my well, the, the only point I want to make to defend the decision to start him is that uh, we don't know if it's not good enough to be an RB2 this week. So we'll see. I think we still have to wait for the Sunday games, obviously, and maybe the Monday games to kind of determine that. Um, so that's really when we'll have our answers to whether or not I, I made a, a huge mistake there. Uh, you now, now, now I'm now I'm hoping Don. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe Devontae Freeman doesn't get a bunch of work, and even though Darius Leonard's injured, and I'm now kind of looking back on that as not being the smartest decision to go for net over Freeman, but we'll we'll see. You know, Come on, man. Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell's got the Patriots this week, and he's going to put up more yardage. Like, like that's guaranteed. Like six yards or more. So let's move on to the rest of the players. It's not just Fournette that played in this game. Um, Derek Henry didn't have that great of a day either. I mean, yards per carry was definitely way below uh, Fournette. Obviously, take away the long rush. It's nowhere. It's it's much different of a story. But, but still, uh, 17 rushes for 44 yards. He got the touchdown, uh, which salvaged his day. But, I mean, in a half-point PPR league, technically Fournette would have outscored Henry. So as much as we can throw lots, lots of flack at Fournette, I mean, Henry disappointed, and I know he was supposed to ha- have a good game, but uh, really, 44 yards, support, again, uh, the touchdown salvaged this, but uh, only caught the one pass, too, so it's not like he... It's not like they... It's not like Deion Lewis was involved in the passing game much. He, he also only caught one pass. They just did... A lot of targets went to Adam Humphreys. Uh, Mariota went 23 for 40 for 340, 304 yards, no touchdowns. The only touchdown, again, for them, their offense was the Derrick Henry run. Nine of his targets went to Adam Humphreys, like I said. So that was something that was kind of concerning the first few weeks. I know on our uh, Titans episode, Alessandri, remember uh, both uh, Jake Lyman and, and uh, Ducky, Matt Duckworth, he, they both tabbed Adam Humphreys to be the leading target on the this team at the end of the year. Uh, in this game, he tied Delaney Walker. They both had nine targets. Uh, Humphreys had 93 yards receiving. Uh, Tajay Sharp had the longest play of, from scrimmage for the the, the, the Titans. Whole game. Uh, yeah, for yeah for both teams actually, you're right. <laughs> Not just the Titans. Well, no, no, the the Fournette run run was long. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, Fournette. Uh, but for the Titans, he had a 47 yard catch over Jalen Ramsey. I know we briefly were going to maybe talk about Jalen Ramsey trade demands. Uh, getting beat by a guy like Tajay Sharp definitely doesn't help um, in that regard. And apparently, uh, the the Jags are going to hang on to to the Ramsey. I was just reading something on Twitter that and. It seems like they they weren't getting their price of, of two first round picks, which Kayla, you identified. You didn't think he was worth it. So obviously the rest of the NFL agrees. Um, it seems like Jalen Ramsey's going to be there for the year. So I still think it's a tough corner uh, wide receiver matchup, even though he, yeah, he's getting burned by Tajay Sharp. At least he didn't allow a touchdown. Couldn't say the same thing against Mahomes and and Sammy Watkins, but that's also a different offense. Corey Davis kind of getting on the board. Four targets, three catches, forty four yards. Uh, Johnu Smith, three targets, two catches, 20 yards. A.J. Brown, the rookie, five targets, but only one catch for four yards. So he, he really, uh, it seemed like Brown was someone who, uh, Ramsey wasn't always covering sharp. I saw him on Brown quite a bit, and A.J. Boye was on Brown, kind of shutting him down. So on the Jacksonville side, Gardner Minshew came out firing, uh, not the opening possession technique because they had to punt, but uh, Tennessee muffed uh, an early uh, punt. They fumbled it, and then, Two plays later, Minshew scores a touchdown to uh, James O'Shaughnessy, the tight end. Anyway, Minshew went 20 for 30, 204 yards, the two touchdowns, ran uh, for 18 yards. He was, he was, he was the, the leading uh, 
runner for for the Jags until that long run by Fournette. And as we mentioned, Fournette, stat line, uh, I think we've read it off enough. I don't think we have to repeat it. D.D. Westbrook was targeted nine times, only caught five. I'm surprised he even caught five. It seemed like he was dropping everything. Only 46 yards. It does seem like his connection with Minshew isn't as strong as what well, what Bortles had last year. Obviously, a lot more time spent with, with Westbrook, but it does seem like D.J. Chark and Chris Conley kind of become those top two guys. Chris Conley left with an injury, so he only ended up with three targets, two catches. He returned about the 30 yards, but DJ Chark was the, the guy for them. Five targets, four catches, 76 yards. And that's that's what it takes to be the guy in a passing offense like the Jags. Uh, he got the touchdown as well. Um, not too many surprises. Again, this was not really a match. I think we mostly advised that the running backs were the kind of the place to target it because we kind of expect it to be kind of a defensive slugfest. Although, again, my neither my co-host advised starting Fournette. That's all for me, and, I, and I'll take that still. But uh, Kyle, uh, he, he had 15 carries for 66 yards. His longest was 69. Come on, man. I'm aware. I'm, I'm aware that it was negative three yards without that run. He also got six targets though, or eight targets actually, eight targets. Uh, not the greatest yards efficiency there. Are there only 26 yards on six catches? <laughs> just, Seems to be that's that's four and a half yards a catch. That's not good. <laughs> And looking on the big board, Caleb Morton, one, Kyle Senra, zero. Again, I, I protest that we don't know if he's an RB2 until the rest of the of the players play. Again, he outscored Derrick Henry, so that's one player that he was better. Who, just, he was a better starter than King Henry alone. He got them angry runs. Yeah, but he also only, I mean, we're talking about the inefficiency. 17 rushes, 44 yards. Again, a touchdown couldn't even salvage his day enough to outscore Fournette. So. Okay, and, and how much red zone work did Derrick Henry get? Because yeah. you know a lot of those touches came in the red zone where you're you're pounding away versus Leonard Fournette, who got negative 7, negative 3, negative 5, negative uh, I, 1. I, I actually zero, haven't zero, 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 zero. <laughs> no, actually, that's a good point. I will look up the red zone stuff. Anyway, and not and yeah, none of those were for net for were red zone attempts. I don't think so. If he doesn't have that excuse either, no, because he's usually Gardner Minshew and that uh, lovely mustache slash you know America freedom right there throwing it Actually, to DJ Carr. All right, so three of three of uh, Fournette's carries came in the red zone. Two yards, no gain. Three yards. One of one of Henry's rushes came in the red zone. It was the one yard touchdown run. Right, that was that was his only red zone carry. So. I mean, the, the argument that a lot of them were in the red zone doesn't really stand here. Wow, Deion Lewis got a red zone carry. That's surprising. Damn why, that, Lewis. Why, why is that happening? I mean, 15 yards. It's not like it, it was inside the one or anything. Uh, anyway, uh, Kayla, do you want to add anything about this game? Uh, no, I'm good. Yeah, you guys have <laughs> bragged about Fournette. <laughs> enough. Hey, I'm sure you're going to have a time where you're going to beat me in a, in a challenge. So I'll... Okay. I'll... I'll be waiting for that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm and again, I'm definitely I'm not uh definitely not never held against my my love for Fournette and maybe it came back to bite me this week again. I, I still say we'll see. Maybe all the running backs disappoint and he ends up being not so bad. And <laughs> we'll uh we'll find out on Sunday and uh be sure to tune in Sunday morning. Alessandro and I will be doing our stream on on Sportscaster, uh talking about uh different uh sit start decisions. We'll also go through the actives and actives as they come through, leading up to about 1230, uh, at which at what point we should have all the information on who's starting exactly. So tune in and, uh, and uh, I guess, find out with all of us some of these uh, questionable tags on certain players. 
Oh, I think we're starting to kind of get news on, on quite a few of them, like Singletary got ruled out. Um, I thought I saw a report that Jackson is out, but it, it is just doubtful. But I, I think we're they're talking multiple weeks, so I think it, for all intents and purposes, he is out. But uh, we'll still find out some other players Sunday morning, so be sure to tune in on Sportscaster. Again, we get started at 11. Also, be sure to check out the uh, Ian Glendon and Terry Biggs. They're doing their uh, just their general pre-show at 10 before we go to the fantasy stuff. So uh, it's a good morning on Sportscaster uh, for uh, any good NFL morning, but certainly on Sundays. Uh, so thank you all for listening to this episode of the Full Press Fantasy Pod. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at FPC underscore Fantasy Pod. For my co-hosts, you can follow them, Caleb Morton at MortonSalt74. Alessandro can be followed at AM underscore Senator. And myself, Kyle Senner at Nyama underscore KS. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Like, rate, and review. We appreciate that very much. And always, as always, be sure to check us out on the Full Press Radio Network, streaming live 24-7 with great Full Press coverage content, as well as some other syndicated podcasts. So be sure to check all that out as uh, this football week continues. So to everyone, good luck in week three. And thank you all for listening to the Full Press Fantasy Podcast.